Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks for joining us on The Great Exchange, a podcast dedicated to looking at the world through gospel glasses. My name is Matthew David Halleck, and across the computer screen from me this week, Nick Paul Seminoich. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well, Matthew David Halleck. Good, good, man. I'm, I'm glad. Are you enjoying the wonderfully hot, nice warm weather that we are enjoying here in Manitoba? Yeah, I was actually quite thankful for the warm weather. Also thankful for air conditioning. <laughs> but yeah. also, uh, you know, my wife and I, we took a nice bike ride this evening. So we we're able to get out and enjoy that nice weather as well. So that was very nice and enjoyable, you know, clocking up those miles on the bike. So Nice, nice. Where do you guys kind of bike around? Just like the dirt roads, the gravel roads around your place or... Uh, there's like a, I guess we just kind of circle the whole town of Tyndall. So it's about a four mile stretch. So we just kind of go around the whole town and kind of scoot around and see what, uh, people have done with their yards this year. <laughs> oh, nice. That's good. That, that sounds like a really great time. So yeah, it's good to enjoy God's good creation. Mo and I continue to press forward on our walks and stuff. We're getting healthy. We're doing a diet. It's wild. Um, so far, I already lost five pounds. So, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's not that crazy when you think of like how quickly weight can fluctuate. Um, but it's really good. It's uh, essentially the the diet is uh, just. Um, it's it's focused on caloric density and basically you have kind of like a calorie budget that you want to be working on so mo and i you know we do Uh, a financial budget and we've gotten very used to it so it's a it's a model that we're used to and uh so far so good you know i'm not dying of hunger and i haven't passed out yet so i'm i'm feeling good we're feeling healthy um basically good principle is move more eat less <laughs> and and that's what we're trying to <laughs> trying to do because uh we definitely put on more than the covid 19 so <laughs> it's uh it's definitely important to to stay healthy and you know god's given us these bodies as a temple of the holy spirit so we ought to be good stewards and um you know oftentimes we're ne- neglectful of that, so it's good to uh, good to get out there, enjoy God's creation, and also um, think about how we can live healthier too, as well. So it's really good. Glad Absolutely. that you uh, you guys are doing the same over there, and uh, yeah, I'm excited that we're here again, Nick, um, for another scripture Saturday, another opportunity to talk to our dear listeners about the Word of God and. Before we get into our topic today, we should do a little bit of housekeeping. It's a little different housekeeping than we're normally used to. Um, We've generally for how long now, Nick? About a year and a half? Close to two years we've been doing monthly giveaways. Uh, We don't have one uh, now, but we... I'm sure our listeners will see and and understand that we've we've made some changes and we've uh, we've actually updated our website. We're in the process of moving our entire 
podcast RSS feed and the entire website over a new platform so it'll be easier to use for people, uh, hopefully easier to access our content. And on top of that, we're building in new features to the Great Exchange moving forward that we'll actually go more in depth with in another podcast. But I just wanted to highlight that for people that that's kind of what we're doing. Um, and if you don't see new episodes in the podcast feed, you might have a hard time hearing this podcast, mind you. But definitely go over to our website, thegreatexchange.ca slash episodes, and you can see our newest episodes there. We'll slowly add on to that back catalog more and more. And we're trying to work really hard to get this RSS feed up and running and then a signal to all the different uh, platforms that we've moved the the podcast. So Lord willing, we'll be able to do that. We'll be able to um, get all that working. Um, it's it's always a bit of a process with us. We're always kind of flying by the seat of our pants, but uh, <laughs> We hope you uh, you understand, and uh, you know we hope you uh, will be patient with us as we make this transition because I think it's going to ultimately really be worth it in the future, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. We we want to make some positive and beneficial changes for our listeners to better have access, as you mentioned, Maddie, to what we're doing on the podcast, as well as uh, have the opportunity to wear some sweet swag. And help out the podcast as well. Get the gospel out to more and more people. So uh, as Maddie, you mentioned, just head over to our website and there'll be updates and things that'll be coming up more and more as things progress here on our end. But uh, yeah, the main thing that we're trying to work on right now is making sure that you can continue to hear these episodes right from whatever podcast catcher you mainly use. If not... It'll be posted on our Facebook and Instagram accounts with a link to each episode as it comes out as well. So be sure not to miss those posts when they come out as well. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, there you go. We've done it. We've done the housekeeping. Now it is time to go through the word of God. Last time, Nick, on our Scripture Saturday, we, we dove into the first half of chapter 27, and we, we, we saw this account of uh, Isaac giving a blessing to Jacob through this deceitful scheme that um, Rebecca and Jacob had come up with. And today we're going to finish off the rest of chapter 27 in this account and kind of see Esau's reaction. But could you set this story, Nick, as you're so apt at doing, into the broader context of what's come before it in the book of Genesis? Yeah, and the one thing that we really want to pay attention to is these blessings, these covenant blessings that God has given two specific patriarchs of the faith here. And what we saw in uh, the marriage of Isaac and Rebekah was that through their son, specifically Jacob, God was going to continue this promised blessing uh, to be the promised offspring, ultimately leading to Christ. So as both children are in the womb, they're given this 
verbal confirmation and also this verbal prophecy that the younger of the two siblings will rule over the older. The older will serve the younger. And in last week's episode, we saw that was coming to fruition. We know that Esau had forsaken his birthright in trading it for a bowl of stew. And now we see that as Isaac was going to go against God's word and bless Esau instead of Jacob, we see that Rebekah hatches a plan so that Jacob can receive that blessing. And through that deception, tricking Isaac, it brings about that promise and that blessing to Jacob. And that's where we kind of pick up here, just on the heels. This is just finishing. Isaac just finishes blessing Jacob with this wonderful and rich promise that God would continue to be a blessing to him and provide for him physically and spiritually. Absolutely. So we pick up in verse 30 of chapter 27, as you mentioned, after that account of Isaac blessing Jacob through this deceitful scheme, and it reads as follows. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat some of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled violent, very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted the game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of the heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. 
Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and say, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Yeah, so as we get into this passage here, it's very, very interesting how it sets up. We see that through the blessing and the meal that Jacob prepared by Rebecca brought to Isaac, we see that he had just, he had literally just finished it, all of it. He's satisfied, he's blessed his son, who he thought was Esau in that moment. And just as he's finishing all these things, Esau comes into the presence of his father as well. So there's like this drama, this intense drama that's happening in this story here. And you can feel the tension while, and you can ask yourself, while Jacob's here in the tent with his father, is Esau going to walk in? Is he going to be found out? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen if Esau finds out that his brother's trying to steal his blessing? And it just so happens in the providence of God that after that deception is done that we looked at last week, we see now how I or Esau, as his work out in the field, finding food to prepare, goes and prepares it. There's probably great joy in his heart that he is going to receive this material, physical blessing from his father. But as soon as he gets there, everything is flipped upside down. Yeah, certainly. And yeah, you kind of make mention to the drama that's taking place in this story. It's it's as though Jacob and Esau were two ships passing in the night and just as and the text really sets it up in that way, right? Just as Jacob goes out from the presence of his father where they're eating and drinking and and being merry and glad and and he gets this blessing um through this scheme that Re- Rebecca hatched you know in comes Esau with all the work that he's done to catch the game and prepare it and bring his father some food and yeah you see all of the plans that Esau had in obtaining this earthly blessing um, given to him by his father Isaac, it's all flipped on his head in a moment when he comes into his father and realizes that his brother Jacob has stolen that blessing from him, that through deceit he has taken it. And um, this causes great angst and... Uh, much woe and grief on Esau's part because 
you know, he even cries out upon finding, uh, finding out what Jacob does. Uh, he, he, he plays on Jacob's name, which is he takes by the heel or um, he cheats. That's kind of the idea. We touched on that when we were looking at the birth account um, of Jacob grabbing Esau by the heel when they were coming out of Rebecca's womb. And um, that was kind of a foreshadow to this moment and what has come before us with, with the taking of the blessing. So, um, the firstborn son in this case um, is denied that true spiritual inheritance, and yet, and it the the lineage, the godly line is passed through Jacob in this way, and um, you see Esau pay more regard for the blessing of his father in this way than he did for his birthright when it came to just a few chapters earlier and selling it um, willingly to his brother Jacob for a pot of lentil stew. So it's, it is a dramatic account and um, there is deceit that goes upon uh, in the account. But um, as we made mention um there was in the last podcast, there was also deceit in the fact that Isaac, knowing that the promise was given to the younger rather than the older, because he loved the game and the manliness of uh, Esau, favored him despite the promise of God as well. So in the end, um, despite all the sin here, the sovereign purpose of God comes to pass, but unfortunately it's through much um, familial turmoil and, and great drama as we're, as we're, we're seeing in this text. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting that in the same way that Esau comes into his father's presence here, that's the same way that Jacob did as well. And he calls for his father to get up, to arise, eat of his son's game, that you may bless me, right? So this is what they want. They want a blessing. But in this conversation that Esau, the real Esau, is now having with Isaac, Isaac answers the same way he did before. Well, who are you? And Esau here answers the same way that Jacob did. I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. And at that answer, Isaac knows he's been fooled, he's been tricked, because there's no way the son that he just gave a blessing to would come back looking for more blessing. Yeah. There's there's no way that's possible. He knows he's received it already, so why would he come back for more? Yeah, and it's, so and it's, Isaac, it's important to understand, too, like, the text lays out the scheme by Jacob and Rebecca was less than super well done, right? <laughs> I mean, Isaac's an old man who's blind, but even then he can tell that the voice is uh, Jacob's, that he can uh, he, he can reason that there's no way that he could have prepared this meal. But uh, we talked about last week as well. He doesn't um, he doesn't rely on his intuition 
but he's fooled again by his his senses by just looking upon the horizontal and paying no mind to deeper things um, and that causes him to tremble very violently the text says in the ESV at the at the realization that this tricky son Jacob has taken the blessing from Esau he he's distraught well and it could also be that in this response from Isaac as well he realizes that what he wanted to do was against what God had called him to do and therefore he's confronted by God and his sin and transgression which was rooted deep in his heart so he he trembles violently, very violently, because he knows God, who is intimately involved with every aspect of our lives, knows the intentions of Isaac's heart and what he wants to do, and thwarts his plan so that the greater good may come about by it. Mm. And that is something we see time and time again in Scripture, culminating in the cross of Christ. We see that in the cross of Christ, we see that what men intended for evil, God purposed for good. We're going to see that later on in the story of Genesis as it comes to Joseph, as his brothers sell him into slavery as well. So this is a repeated theme throughout all of Scripture. And what we see is that God uses the evil of man, the wickedness of man, to bring about his intended good purposes for the express purpose of saving his elect. That's what God is in the business about since Genesis chapter 3. And we know that the entire Bible is this story of redemption pointing us to Christ. So we can see even in here, as Isaac trembles, there's that good possibility that he is truly trembling because he's fearful of how God intervened in his life to bring about what God said he had to do which he was not willing to do in and of himself. Question 71. What is required in the seventh commandment? Answer. The seventh commandment requireth the preservation of our own and our neighbor's chastity in heart, speech, and behavior. Do you love listening to The Great Exchange? You can subscribe to our podcast on any one of these podcast platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, and have two engaging episodes delivered to your mobile device each week. Our midweek message covers a myriad of topics and teaches us to look at them all through gospel glasses. And our Scripture Saturday episode is just that, an opportunity to study the Bible one passage of Scripture at a time. Miss an episode? Visit our website, thegreatexchange.ca, and you will find the complete back catalog of our episodes. And don't be shy. We love to hear from you, our listeners. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram, or if you're not social media savvy, send us an email to thegreatexchangepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for joining in our ministry as we help you look at the world through gospel glasses. Yeah, so again, it's it's an account that um, 
is very bitter and um, it's it's hard to see and and hard to watch how um, this this family is so bitterly divided much like we we made mention um, Abraham and his household when it came to the various sons that he had and and the infighting between uh, them as well so Again, this highlights what we've talked about over and over again, keeping the eye on the promises, the covenant blessing going down through generation to generation, and that the fact that there's a bunch of physical descendants who are not obtaining to the promise of God, which should highlight for us the fact that the promise comes by faith and it is passed down immaterial not corporal like corporally right it's not a matter of genetics it's a matter of promise of covenant blessings going down through the ages and this really highlights i mean we've touched on it over and over again it should be screaming out to anybody who's reading these texts by this point in scripture but it's something we can often glaze over if we're just reading quickly through it how much does this then make the words to cry that Christ reserves to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day who are putting their faith and trust in their um, fleshly um, genetic uh, descendancy from Abraham? Uh, how much more does it make? those arguments that Christ levels against them stand out in our minds when we understand that this is a principle that is deeply embedded in the narrative of Scripture at the first. Yeah, and and it also points out just on top of that as well, maybe not on top, but alongside of that as well, is that we see what Esau was doing. Esau was working to achieve a blessing, a blessing which ultimately he would not receive. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is common and was common and has been common ever since the creation, or since the fall, I should say, is that men try to work their way into God's acceptance, into his blessing. And when we, of our own esteem and our own efforts, and our own works try to attain a blessing from God because of what we do, we forget that all that we do is but filthy rags and it is a defiled gift in the sight of God. It's been stained by sin and he has no reason to bless it. But as you may mention, Maddie, if it is to be received by faith, then it is truly a gift this gift that God gives to us, this blessing that he gives to us is by faith alone. It is a gift that he gives to us, which we cannot earn. We cannot purchase. We cannot go hunting game for to please our father so that we can get something for him. There's not a bargain here. There's not a trade-off. He says, I'm giving this to you and you have nothing of yourself to bring to the table to earn it. And that's what we see here in Esau is that he works for the blessing. He doesn't get it. And what it goes on to say in this text here as well is that he is going to continue to strive in this way. He is going to continue to live in this way, living as a hunter, but he's always going to be in subjection to those who truly have received the blessing of God. 
Yeah, and and that's something that's a very important principle for us to understand embedded in scripture as well, right? That um, that human beings as Imago Dei are culture are, are culture creators. It's inescapable, but the efforts of those who are united to God through the covenant promises are ultimately the only labor that is truly fruitful because it's the only labor that's done for the purpose of glorifying God. That, um, as you made mention, that even the best work of an unbeliever of someone who is a covenant breaker who is outside the promises of God is but filthy rags. It will not avail before God, but that it is the covenant people of God who obtain all the goodness of this life and the life to come, who will be the inheritors of all the cultural artifacts of this world, who will, as we see in the Exodus account, plunder the Egyptians. It's God's people that ultimately win the day, and those outside of God's covenant community ultimately serve even in their hatred and their 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 attempts to tear down the kingdom of God end up serving the purposes of God and ultimately end up forwarding the blessings of God given to his people um now we know when the the promise that is or the prophecy that is given to Esau by Isaac when he's talking about, as you've made mention, him continuing in this way to be a man of war. Very um, similar description to Ishmael, right? Um, we, we see, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall, be your dwell- shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of the heaven on high, which is, you know, that, again, dominion language, right? When we're talking about fatness and um, dew, it's like, pregnant um you know it's 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 blessing it's uh it's abundance that the, that's the language of dominion that is used when we think of like psalm 110 uh psalm 110 right that great psalm that's spoken of christ that says from the womb of the morning the dew of your youth shall be yours it's a weird weird description that we might not understand. And it's like, how does this make sense with, uh, you know, the Lord saying to my Lord, sit at my right hand while I make your enemies a footstool, rule in the midst of your enemies. This seems like really out of place. Like I get the whole, you know, on the day of your victory, your people will offer themselves in holy garments, but from the womb or from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth shall be yours. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but what it's getting at is this dominion language that we've touched on uh, again is just saying that the, the blessings of this creation will not be upon him. This is essentially a very similar curse that is given to Cain, right? It is also reiterated, 
um, to Esau here, and that ultimately um, he will end up serving um, his younger brother. Uh, nevertheless, it says, but when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. And we understand that um, the Edomites and the Israelites have an ongoing struggle throughout Scripture. And there is uh, moments within um in scripture where the Edomites do break out of that kind of service um, kind of motif and they do seemingly have the upper hand on God's people yet in the end their works come to naught because what do we know from the previous text that we've already talked about that whoever curses God's people it is they who will experience that curse. That, that's right. And that's a wonderful way to get into now. We see how Isaac kind of, but not really, blesses Esau, as you've made mention here, that he doesn't receive the same blessing as Jacob did, uh, because that blessing was specific in his application of it. But just before we get into Esau's response to this blessing here as well, I just want to point out one thing is that in verse 36 here, we see that Esau calls, or he says, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me this two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. What Esau fails to realize and bring up in this text here is that he actually sold, he despised his birthright. Mm -hmm. He had no regard for it, which was present in that text when we went through it. And now, even at this point in time, Esau doesn't really want the blessing of God as far as it goes in leading him closer to God. He just wants the material blessings that come along with this blessing from his father, as his father even said here, I've given him all things. I've given him wine and grain, and I've sustained him. I've given his brothers over him. So there's a physical reality to this blessing that he is to receive and that's all he wants and that's very typical of somebody who has no regard for the things of heaven things of god they are so of such earthly mindedness that they're of no benefit to anyone around them but even in this still though he has no regard for the blessing of god he just wants that physical material blessing god is still going to bring that about through his work that he's going to take care of in the rest of his life here. And it goes on to say in the text later on, uh, not in this passage, but further down, and I believe it's chapter 33, that you know Esau has plenty. God is still abundantly provided for him, but he is just not in favor with God as Jacob would be later down the road as well. So in verse 41 and to the end here, we see Esau's hatred now for his brother Jacob, because he received the blessing that he wanted. Again, it's that short-sightedness, that materialism, that greediness that is filling his heart, and it's building up now. It's builded from, I want these things, to now I'm going to kill my brother so that I can get them, Mm -hmm. because I don't even care about him. I don't care about my father. I don't care about my mother. All I want is the goodies. Mm-hmm. And whatever I have to do to get those goodies, I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's the same testimony that's given 
throughout scripture countless times life of joseph ultimately pointing to the life of christ we see that same sort of principle the very brothers who are supposed to care for one another are the very ones who want to see their brother dead and it's the same thing that happened in the life of christ where they willingly wanted to kill their brother so that they could continue to live on in the way that they saw fit which was in a way that was apart from god but in a way that would be able to maintain and increase their wealth and their status on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ultimately, when when he when he calls out about killing his brother Jacob, he is essentially cursing his brother. And we know, as I've made mention from verse twenty nine. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So in cursing Jacob for what he's done, he's actually pronounced a curse upon himself in this moment. He's railing against the sovereignty of God, essentially, in this promise going to uh, Jacob, who is the rightful heir, according to the promise of God. And it's interesting to see because it's 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 something that's happening to this day that those who are reprobates, who are outside the of God's promises, despite knowing the blessing that exists and rests upon God's covenant people, they work tirelessly to destroy God's church on this earth. They work endlessly to try and thwart the very promise of God. But in the end, it's it's doomed for failure because they're not just trying to kill people they, that, that they hate. They're not just trying to destroy the church. They're not just trying to be revolutionaries who tear down the very structures of creation. They're railing against the very God who, in whose image they're made. And as we've made mention multiple times, God's word and his action are one and the same. So when he promises something, it's going to come to pass. So these are totally futile plans that then point us to what we read in Psalm 2, right? The nation's rage... They plot in vain. God laughs at the folly of these who would set themselves up against him and his promises and the love that he has for his covenant people. Yet here, Esau, who has despised his birthright, who doesn't care about the spiritual blessings of the covenant community, but rather is focused on the material blessings he now, like Cain, sets out to kill his brother. However, in the providence of God, Rebecca, as she's so apt at doing, overhears this conversation, then proceeds to warn Jacob of her son Esau's plans to harm him. Yeah, and just before we get into that aspect of this passage here in this last part of the passage, just what you said about Esau there as well, right? He's he's acting out out of the curse that he's under, 
right? This isn't something that he's spoken himself into now. This is the reality of his heart manifesting itself over and over again. So we see in him, it, it's it's very reminiscent of what John says in John chapter 3. Right, right after that great passage, you know, uh, John 3.16, he goes on to say that whoever believes in him, being Christ, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So in that passage, and what we're seeing here as we look at the life of Esau as well, is that when those who are bound in darkness act out of darkness, this isn't something new for them. They're just continuing their rebellion against God and acting out of the evil, wicked nature that they have. And this is something that it's hard for a lot of people to really comprehend or really grasp about what Scripture gets to, but there's a clear divide in all of human history between the people of God and those who are not the people of God, between the the true Israel and those who are not the true Israel, those who are sheep and those who are goats. And a goat doesn't get transformed into a sheep one day. It's If you're a sheep, you're just a lost sheep, and God's going to call you home to be in his care. But a goat never listens to the voice of the shepherd. The goat does whatever it wants to do, whatever it wants to do it, because its master is itself. Ultimately, it's Satan who's a liar and a deceiver and a murderer. And we see here in Esau's actions and his intentions, he's acting out the same way that the father of lies, who's a murderer, from the beginning is just acting along in the same exact sort of manner that his father, his true father, does as well. Mm -hmm. So Rebecca hatches this plan yet again with Jacob, who is the son of her delight, right? And says, you have to flee. Get out of here. Go to my family, my brother Laban, your uncle, in Haran. You can work there. You can live there. You can be free of your brother's oppression and his anger towards you. Be there for a season that your brother might cool down, that he might come to his senses, that the next time you see him, he will not try attempt to kill you, attempt to take your life. And that is essentially how she ends up sending Jacob away from herself. But the, the really sad part is what we see here when she says, then I will send and bring you from there. Um, so that's when she's going to call him back. And when she says, why should I be bereft of you both in one day? She's really saying, you know, if Esau kills you, I'm going to lose both of you. So flee. Get out of here. But sadly enough, as we will see in the, the coming weeks, as we continue to walk through the book of Genesis, Rebecca will never again see Jacob, the son of her delight. This is a part of the element of the curse that she took upon herself for the deception of Isaac. 
So we see that there there is horizontal consequences for her behavior and it's ultimately her scheme that ends up sending her son away from her and never to be seen again by her um which is again sad you know this family division that we keep seeing is is really not something um that gives our hearts great joy. Now we have, we have joy because God's sovereign purposes are coming to pass regardless of the sin of man. But nevertheless, there is great um, reason to to grieve and mourn uh, the outcome of the, the these actions. Yeah, and there's something interesting here in the passage as well. And maybe this is part of our short-sightedness or our forgetfulness as well. But within the same day here, we see Rebecca calling Jacob to obey her voice. And the first time it didn't end up well for Jacob, his brother wants to kill him. Though he received the blessing, his brother wants to kill him. Now his mom is telling him again, obey my voice. Well, I tend to be a little suspicious at that point in time. If the first time I listened to you, it got me in some hot water here where my life is now on the line, what's going to happen when I listen to your voice again? And though I don't discard the reality that Esau being such a wicked and hate-filled man at this point in time will kill Jacob as soon as their father is dead. The reality is that Isaac lives for at least another 40 years. So while Rebecca is so quick to get rid of her son and save her son, there's a greater opportunity for reconciliation if they abide in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. If they all return to God's Word and say, well, let's go back to what God spoke to us while I was pregnant with you both. Mm-hmm. He said the younger will serve or the older will serve the younger. This is the promise of God. We can fight and kick against it all day long, but ultimately God's going to bring this to pass. And as we seek to continue to live by our own directives in our own ways, it can lead to hardships. It's leading to greater hardships for Jacob here because he's been given the promise of God, but he's still living by the flesh in this way. He's just abiding by what he can see, not in what he can't see, which is the transcendent word and sovereign care of God. Though even in this instance, God will still providentially take care of him, bringing about his plan of redemption. There's still great hardship in this because all people still We see in Isaac, there's a slight turning going back to, oh, no, I'm supposed to be resting on the promises of God. But everybody else is still doing kind of their own thing. Mm -hmm. And they're they're not sitting under that authority, which is to rule their lives. And again, we've talked about it on the program so many times. God's word is congruent with his actions. They're synonymous in that way. What he says is going to come to pass. Yeah. We have to live in light of that promise, as you've made mention. Now, apply that to race relationships, 
relationships within our own household, within between different ethnicities, all these different things. If we apply the very same principles that you're just talking about, if you go to the word of God, rest on that truth, understand the promises of God, understand that we've been reconciled to one another in Christ and live accordingly, then all this enmity, all this strife, all this division, all this hatred would be done away with. But it's men seeking out their own schemes and not rely upon relying upon the sure word of God that leads again and again and again and again to this sort of outcome. When will we realize we cannot obtain the blessings of God apart from his sure word and acting upon it? When mm-hmm. will we stop in our hubris as fallen men and women trying to manufacture peace that only comes by the Spirit of God, by being united to him, that be, be, <laughs> through being adopted to him and grafted into his community that tra- transcends all these earthly divides, that is a true family united in one spirit, in one body. My word, when will we wake up and understand we can't have the goodies of God without God himself? We cannot manufacture peace on earth apart from submission to Jesus Christ. Yeah. We can't do it. And this text brings that out for us in in a very big way. The last verses are just a bookend that really brings us backwards to um, chapter 26, verse 34 through 27 and 46. It, it highlights again the Hittite women, the marrying outside of God's covenant community that was Esau's sin that has brought great distress to his family. It was the very thing that Abraham avoided with Isaac by sending him to the land of his people where he met Rebekah. And it is the very thing now that Rebekah is so fearful of that Jacob might intermarry with the ungodly seed. And it really then sets up what we're going to see later on, beginning in chapter 28, verse 9, and following with the interactions between Jacob and Laban and and Laban's daughters. So that's it. That's 27. There's so much there, Nick. I'm sure you probably have some things that you want to say in closing. So I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, I guess the big thing that we have to remember is that as we look at this passage, as you may mention, there's true freedom, true peace, true 
harmony found only in the gospel of Christ. We try, and there's countless examples of this in our own day, from what those of the world try to manufacture to create peace. There's countless social justice clubs, whatever it might be, to try and create unity, but also to try and get rid of some dysfunction within our world as well. They're trying to go about it apart from God. And we know that you can't have peace apart from God. How we are to look at this passage is the same way that we're supposed to look at all of life, is that we need to look at all things with gospel glasses. We need to take the Word of God and how God has instructed us to be, first off, reconciled to Him, and then reconciled to our fellow man, and apply that in our daily lives. But if we fail to go to the Word of God, we will fail to have correct reconciliation, both between God and man as well. So we need to look at Scripture rightly. We need to examine ourselves rightly. We need to come to God broken and contrite because of our sin, that we've so offended Him that we rightly deserve His wrath for all eternity. Yet, God loves us as so much that He sends His Son to die for us so that we would inherit reconciliation, and an internal inheritance that can never be taken away from us. We have peace with God now, and that now informs us how to live with our fellow men, men who sin against us, men who don't care for us, men who want nothing but to harm Christ and his body, his beloved bride. We know how to address that situation in light of what God has said in his word, which is to be loving our enemies, loving those who hate us, loving those who persecute us. Because in doing so, when we don't take up sword to fight back against sword, we, when we take up the rules and principles that God has set forth for us, we can better reflect God's image into the world so that they can see and glorify God on the day of his visitation for our good works and for the love that we showed to those who are undeserving of it, just as we are undeserving of God's love and favor here and now and throughout all eternity. So let us remember that. Let us take heart in this present evil age when there is this deception, when there's much evil happening as there was in the days of Jacob and Esau, Men haven't changed. There's been nothing that's truly changed about human nature. We just find new ways, new devices to carry out our wicked, evil intentions. So we need to rest in what God has said, live in light of his promises, and remain hopeful, joyful, and full of hope for what is yet to come. Absolutely, brother. Um, I can't... I can't think of better words to describe that. Um... There's so much here. There's so much in this text for us to take away. There's so much in the book of Genesis that gives us foundational principles for us to understand life in between the already and the not yet. Um, and praise God that we are on the other side of the cross and we understand these passages of Scripture in light of the person and work of Jesus Christ and and what this means for us. And 
I'm just so thankful that again, we get this opportunity, um, to gather together, uh, Nick, uh, even if online in this way, um, to, to go through the word of God with our faithful listeners. I really do hope you guys enjoyed him. Um, please for the next little while, be, be sure to go over to our Facebook page or Instagram, keep up on our posts as we post episodes there, uh, until we can kind of square everything up with the new website. We're really excited. We not only have, uh, a new website that should be easier to use, easier to access episodes, um, and the various, uh, podcast catchers that you might use. Um, as Nick mentioned, we have new merchandise. We're going to be coming out with a ton of new stuff there for you to reform your closet. We have some really, really cool merchandise that you can actually get a sneak preview of if you go over to thegreatexchange.ca. Um, and also, we're going to have a newsletter. We're going to have um, a different membership. Uh, tiers and everything with some different bonuses, which we will do an episode kind of walking you through what that's going to mean. And Lord willing, we're going to be giving you more content, different content. We're going to be bringing in uh, different people to help us again with that. And that's really what we're excited about. It's, it's a way to build and continue to grow, to continue to get you God-glorifying content and help you to look at the world through gospel glasses. And if you want to join and partner um, with us in that mission that is so sorely needed, especially here in Canada in 2021, um, we're going to have ways for you to do that, and you're going to get some wonderful blessings as well with that. So we're really excited. It's kind of a new air, uh, a new opportunity. And we're hoping uh, moving forward in the future that it will also be another means for us to continue with some of these resource giveaways that we have done in the past that I know you guys have loved. So we will hopefully be doing that, uh, but that will be in a different way. But I'm looking forward to the future of what God has in store for our ministry. And hopefully, uh, Nick, our listeners will be excited about it as well. But that brings us towards the end of the uh, podcast here, Nick, and as we say at the end of every podcast. It is finished. God bless. <laughs>